Hello and welcome to the Olympic Channel podcast. I'm Ed Knowles. We are the home of the very best of OlympicChannel.com. What's that mean? Well, great interviews, the most important bits from press conferences and an ongoing mission to learn about Korean culture. Our aim is to take you beyond the snow and ice here at Pyeongchang 2018. No frozen beards to report on today. I've been acquiring a taste though for the fish pollock. On the way in, there's this huge, I don't really know how to describe it, but they have like pollock outside. Because it's so cold, it's just completely frozen. It's like a frozen river. There's all frozen pollock just being stored outside. And it's all apparently for this restaurant. And we went to the restaurant and it's so, so good. Olympic Channel reporter, by the way, Nicholas Vinder, did a really fun video on it on the other day, and that is already on olympicchannel.com. Have a look at it. And if you don't like Pollock, well, you know, give it a try. Okay, so what's going on today? Another Olympic Channel reporter, Sanjeev Parla, went all the way to Iceland to watch shirtless Tongan flag bearer Peter Taufatafoa qualify for the Olympic Games. And he rocks a pretty decent set of abs on Instagram. We grabbed a question with freestyle skier Gus Kenworthy. Plus, Eritrean skier Shannon Ogbani Abeda builds on his youth Olympic Games experience. But first, here are the top stories from OlympicChannel.com. A new way of life for the American gladiator, skier Bodie Miller, makes a surprising admission. Snowboarder Sean White goes to a restaurant and orders the Sean White burger, and Austria's David Gleischer has a blast after his surprise luge gold. That's all on olympicchannel.com forward slash news, or just tap on the news tab once you're on Olympic Channel app or the website. You should get all those stories and plenty more. Olympic Channel volunteer Heiji Kim will be giving us some street food tips in just a moment. But first, it might all just seem like a bit of fun. And to be fair, it is. A guy from Tonga with an incredible body woods himself up and flies the flag for Tonga. But after his escapades at Rio 2016, Peter Tao Fatafoa switched from taekwondo to cross-country skiing. The journey to Pyeongchang 2018, though, wasn't simple. From severe financial constraints to the brutal nature of cross-country skiing, it was never going to be easy. Last month, Olympic Channel reporter Sanji Parla went along to Iceland, where Peter had one final shot of qualification. Sanjeev, hello. You're from Malaysia. What was Iceland like? Um, the opposite of Malaysia. Malaysia's quite <laughs> warm, 36 degrees all year round. And Iceland, well, it was minus four, minus three, <laughs> um, and plenty of ice. So it's a very different ed to Malaysia. And you've not been skiing before or really saw much winter sports before. Is that right? I mean, you were there. The skiing must have been incredible to watch. And you spoke to Peter moments after he qualified. What was he like? For me, uh, experiencing my, my first ski event was actually quite quite amazing because just to see these athletes up close and personal, the amount of power, sweat that goes in, even though it's cold, they are still exhausted. And cross-country skiing is a sport that you really, really give it your all. And they were crossing the finish line and just collapsing. You know that they've just put it all out there. And that was just amazing to see uh, in person. And Peter... Uh, was brilliant when he found out he qualified he was absolutely over the moon and he uh, he gave me an excellent interview today was a miracle there was nothing nothing i did that was special but uh tong is going to the olympics baby Woo! oh my goodness when you started this journey 
Uh, after Rio 2016, did you, in your mind, imagine this moment right now? How does it feel? I, a few days ago, we, you know, this was our last chance, the last day of qualification. We're at the, we're at the end, end of the earth. We bought a one-way ticket. We're like, you know, we've, I had seven shots in this last competition season, and I couldn't get these points. And I said, it's all or nothing. All, all or nothing. I gave everything, you know, I gave absolutely everything for this and, uh, you know, this is the reward. As Peter was just saying there, there were a lot of people who simply thought that he just couldn't do it. Did it seem likely to you, Chanjeev, uh, on the ground that he was going to qualify there in Iceland? When I arrived in Iceland, I, I think the general feeling was like, this is his last shot. He's got to really go for it and it might not happen. And then I started comp uh, talking to the competitors there just to kind of find out, does Peter have a chance? And some of them were actually saying that he actually stood quite a good chance because the, that particular race, the terrain was quite flat. And in that instance, it actually played to his favor because of his physique. Now, he's bigger than the other cross-country skiers. He's got a lot more muscle. And on a flat terrain, the, you can muscle your way to the finish line <laughs> faster. Uh, and that's exactly what he did in the end, as we all know. But leading up to that point, leading up to the race, there were so many people surrounding him that kind of said, it's not going to happen. Um, the naysayers give, uh, give me energy. The people, that, the people that, that give positive messages, they give me energy. I take whatever energy I can get, whether it's negative or positive, it comes in, gives me extra power, you know. If they, if they talk negative, then that's on them, but I, you know, I try to just be me. What have been some of the challenges you've had along your journey to qualify for Pyeongchang? I've lost, uh, when I first started this, I was 100 and, 103 kilograms, so I've lost 12 kilograms. Coach, here come here. This is my coach from Germany. He put me up in his house. Yes. Um, one of the biggest challenges was finances. You know, I went into big debt just to be here. I sacrificed everything financially. I've lost uh, 12, 15 kilograms. Um, I gave up this whole year to do this. Um, you know, injuries, but it all, it all, it all makes sense now. It all, it all works. And he did it. He's going to compete in the cross-country skiing. An incredible achievement. I saw him and grabbed him uh, to get a selfie at the opening ceremony. He was all prepped and ready to take his top off. And then he did take his top off, all oiled up. Um, quick question though, Sanjeev, how are your abs? Um, singular. Singular, I've got yeah. one ab and I'm working, <laughs> working on it and uh, it's doing quite well, thank you very much. Mine are in need of a summer tune-up, let's say. Uh, but one man who definitely doesn't need any tune-up at all is USA freestyle skier Gus Kenworthy. We thought that everyone would love to see his abs one day at the opening ceremony, so we ended up firing him a question at a press conference. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> um, I actually don't know how that uh, Tongalese guy did that because it was freezing. Um, I've got a lot of respect for that guy going out with nothing on. Um, and sure, I would happily do that. But I think that there are more aptly suited people to, to bear the flag. And like this is Kelly Clark's fifth Olympics. There's so many people that have insane legacies. And I'm definitely proud of what I've done. But uh, I don't know. I, don't, I doubt I would be the flag bearer even if I made it to another Games, but I'll take my shirt off if I get it. <laughs> right then, Sanjeev. The gauntlet is set. Tops off for Beijing 2022. 
Well, you know, Malaysia made its debut <laughs> right here in Pyeongchang 2018. In four years' time, somebody has to fly the flag. I've got one ab. I'll try and work <laughs> on getting five more before Beijing 2022. Well, I think we'll have to hit the gym together. Thanks, Sanjeev. And look out for Peter and Gus Kenworthy as they compete too. Coming up, Eritrea is not the first place you think of for alpine skiers, but the son of two refugees is breaking down barriers. Now it's time to learn a little bit more about South Korea. So street food is a super big deal here in South Korea. You see street vendors all the time, and some of the best things that I've eaten in my limited time here have been from little stalls. Olympic Channel volunteer Heiji Kim is here, so we don't order the wrong thing. Heiji, how are Hello. you? Hello, I'm good, thank you. So, how common is street food in South Korea? Oh, it's very common, but uh, especially during the winter season, you'll find more street foods because we have more street food snacks and street food uh, food uh, during the winter season. So, but it's yeah. so cold. Why would you want to sit outside? That's the that's the point. I mean, people want to like eat warm and delicious street foods outside of the cold. That's that's yeah. But you're out in the cold, right? Uh huh. But you, but you want to warm up? Yeah, by eating those street foods. Okay. Yeah. What are your favorite street foods? My favorite street food would be pungopang, which is... <laughs> Do I even try? Go yeah, on. pang. Yeah. Okay. Pungopang. <laughs> it's like fish-shaped uh, bread filled with soybean, red, uh, no, red beans. Yeah. And um, it looks cute. And I enjoyed eating them when I was young. So. And now? I love it. Yeah, I still do eat them. They're really good. But the kids, it's like kiddie food. No, it's it's for everyone. Okay. Yeah. One thing I've noticed as well as we've been driving around is just how good the service stations are. I mean, they're mm -hmm. the best. Yeah, yeah. Mm, I've never, I think this, this like world beating <laughs> service yeah. stations here. Mm -hmm. What makes them so good? Uh, we have like, in service stations, they sell all kind of stuff like um, Japanese food, Chinese food, Korean food. And we also sell some like um, walnut bread, which is a very famous, popular uh, service station snacks. Um, so, yeah, it's very, there's everything. Uh, we had a good meal, didn't we, at one yes. particular one in Pyeongchang, mm -hmm. where uh -huh. was, I had my favorite meal. Bibimbap. Bibimbap. Yeah, bibimbap. <laughs> it was, it, that was good. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What was, what's that in that again? Uh, there's some like spinach, uh, a bit of beef meat in there, and the spicy sauce, spicy oh, yeah. yeah paste, and a lot of vegetables, mm. rice. It was quite healthy, wasn't it? It's it was like very a, healthy. Yeah, with a bit of side dish. And it was it, as good as any restaurant <laughs> food that I've ever eaten uh -huh. in some just at the yeah. side of a motorway. Uh huh. Yeah, bibimbap is very good. Incredible. Well, thank you very much, Heiji, mm -hmm. Heiji Kim. I, I think we have got a little insight into <laughs> street food now. We won't be ordering yeah. the wrong things. Thank you very much. <laughs> if you need to get up to speed with any events here at the Winter Olympic Games, then head over to olympicchannel.com. You can look at our stories to watch and you'll soon be a little mini expert and ready for all the action. Throw in Olympic Channel, the sport you need to know about and stories to watch into any search engine and you'll be sorted. Now, it's a long way from Eritrea to Canada, but that journey was made by the parents of one Winter Olympian here at Pyeongchang. Shannon Ogbani Abeda grew up in Alberta. With a strong Canadian influence, Shannon Ogbani took up local pursuits. 
And so it came that Eritrea have their first Olympic alpine skier. After disappointment at the Youth Games in Innsbruck, the African wants to represent his country and the continent well here at the Winter Games. Olympic Channel reporter Stefan Florissien started off by asking what he'd learned from those setbacks in Austria. I thought it would be an amazing opportunity for myself to be able to ski under Eritrea's flag and it was a bit difficult decision for me being that um, I've grown up in Canada and if it wasn't for Canada I wouldn't be have the opportunity for me to ski but if I, I looked at it I thought again it was a great opportunity I, I can be able to promote winter sports for youth in Eritrea as well and around the world. Was it all fun? Uh, I checked the result. It's all DNF. Did not finish, did not finish, did not finish, did not finish. Four competitions. You guys had fun there or what? It was. I did have fun. Unfortunately for me, I, I didn't expect the the international event to be as difficult as it was. I, I was young, uh, very immature, and I was inexperienced in international competition. So for me, I came in with a uh, not the proper mindset and I didn't, was not able to compete to the best of my ability. You partied too hard. Yeah, <laughs> maybe I might have. What, though, uh, was something that you took as an experience that is now helping you? I think one of the biggest lessons for me out of Innsbruck was um, I, I was very humbled by, um, by my results, seeing that I was not able to perform to my ability and realizing that I had a lot of work to do on myself to even qualify for these games and realize some of those athletes ha had prepared for years and years and some of them even now are on World Cup circuit. So it really did put me in my place and I realized if I wanted to be here today, there was a lot of things I needed to work on physically and mentally. Flag bearer, how do, how do you feel about that? I mean, is it, actually, did you get goosebumps? I did get goosebumps. For me, from even for weeks leading up to the games, and even when I got here, I, I, it didn't really sink in until I walked in that stair, uh, into the opening ceremonies and was carrying the flag. I realized, you know, I'm here and I made it. And uh, being able to wave that flag in, amongst the world, athletes and uh, putting Eritrea on the map, it, I can't even begin to describe the feelings that were going. It was very emotional. I want to wrap up on the Youth Olympic um, Games. There is another session, summer one, in Argentina. What would you say to kids that are as young as you were then? This is not a party place or what else can you tell them as, a, as an advice? I tell them, you know, enjoy the experience, uh, definitely immerse yourself in it, but as well work hard, don't get uh, sidetracked, just know where you've come from to get to this point, and uh, yeah, stay, keep your head up and stay focused on results, and then once your events are done, have fun, enjoy yourself. Thanks to Shannon Ogbani there, and reporter Stefan too. And that's it. Before we go, I just need to give a few shout-outs for the podcast crew. Megan on Twitter about the last episode says she missed Julia Mancuso's mom chanting her name from the bottom of the hill. If you want a shout-out, then share the pod with some others or talk about it on social media. Who knows? We could be giving you a mention next time. I'm really excited about episode six. But if you liked any episode, then please give us a five-star rating. It really helps us out. Give us a nice review on a podcast app. That's cool too. Leave us comments on Facebook 
Twitter and Instagram at Olympic Channel. All the handles for those are exactly the same. Thank you very much. Until next time.